Thank you, Jesus. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. See the beautiful saints of the Most High. You look wonderful as we experience God together. It's good to experience God together. We can experience him at home. We know that. God is not confined to any building. But when we can come together corporately and bring ourselves together to lift up the name of Jesus, it's always a beautiful thing. Amen. I just had one other thing I wanted to share. Um, we are not putting it on, but there's a foundation called the LM Foundation, which is Life Ministry Foundation. Uh, they will be having a beneficent concert. This will be the facility here at ICOG. Uh, it's to help with domestic violence. Um, that's the mission of the organization, is to help put a stop to domestic violence. And so it's to help them raise funds to uh, initiatives to help this local community. So if you would like to be here in support of that, uh, you can go into lmfoundation.org, LM Foundation, and find more information there. Uh, Vashon Mitchell will be uh, the featured artist on that particular evening. It'll be here this coming Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m. Amen. You have your Bibles? We want to get to the Word of God on today. The book of Acts, chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 40, and during the week, you may want to read the whole chapter. I'll be talking about portions outside of this, but just using this as our foundation. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 40. It says, and with many words, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. That's Peter he's talking about, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen to the reading of God's word. Just want to talk about destined to win. Destined to win. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm destined to win. Our Washington Nationals. Have won the World Series. And it was Wednesday. <clears throat> thousands of people even at Nationals Park, even though the game was in Houston, uh, pouring down rain, but yet thousands of people were out there to watch 
the Nationals win the World Series. Um, not just white people, but black people and Asian people and rich people, poor people. People was just out there to watch the Washington Nationals get that last curly W. A curly W was in the books. Pandemonium had broke out. All the news stations were covering it, breaking right to it. Reporters drenched, soaking wet, talking to people. 12-year-olds, I waited my whole life for this. And us Redskins fans were like, you don't know what waiting a long time really means, but <laughs> I waited my whole life for this. And Pandemonium had broken because our Nationals had won the World Series. The improbable happened. People didn't think it was going to happen. Hadn't one happened in 95 years. We've had a bunch of false starts. 2012 was the year. Steven Strasburg had come back, but instead of letting him pitch in the world in the playoffs, they shut him down and we got exited. Many years after that, we were predicted to win the World Series. We would win 97 games, win 95 games, only to get bounced out in the very first round. And even this year, we started 19 and 31. <laughs> 19 and 31 after our first 50 games. That's a horrible start. Anybody know about some bad starts in their life? Hopes were dashed and the attendance was low. People weren't even going to the games. And then it started, we need to fire the manager. I don't know how many managers we've had, you know, Davey Johnson, then Matt Williams, then got Dusty Baker, and then some of us were salty because we let the black man go, and you brought in Dave Martinez. But now everybody's talking about, we just need to fire him. All the moves we made in the offseason, they just weren't working. And of course, the media gets involved, and so the media has to start pointing fingers and pointing fingers at it's your fault, right? It's your fault. <laughs> it's this person's fault, and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and everybody's micro-analyzing. Anybody know who people who do that? They micro-analyze every little situation. But then out of nowhere, <laughs> out of, it seems like out of nowhere, the team got hot. After that 19 and 31 uh, one start, they were the hottest team in baseball. They won more games after that point than anybody else in baseball. And they got to the point where they got into the playoffs and they had five elimination games, but they could have, one game would have cost. But every single game, they found that they beat the Brewers in the play-in game. Then they were down 2-1 to the, to the L.A. Dodgers and they came back and won that series. And then we went to, even went to the World Series, won the first two games and everybody thought, yeah, we got this. Then we came home and couldn't win a game. Lost three straight games here in, that, in front of the home crowd and we thought that all was lost. But against all odds, they went back to Houston. Strasburg took the mound and pitched the gem. They came back and what? They won that game. And then game seven, they got the last curly W. And I'm telling you, it was crazy. Pandemonium. Everybody was covering it, jumping up and down. And we were celebrating because the Nationals had won the World Series. <laughs> it's funny how it seems like winning cures all, you know? Because just back in May, <laughs> when nobody there, when nobody showing up, and everybody need to get fired. But it seems like winning has a way of curing all. And for many of us, we're sitting to our, saying to ourselves, when am I going to start winning? See, I'm in a season in my life where I don't know what's next. I may be a little bit uncertain, but I'm ready to start winning in my life. 
For some of us, 2019 has been a hard year. We were in a prayer meeting, and that's what somebody was saying. This year seems to be a difficult year for many of us, and we're uncertain about what's going to happen in the next season. Many of us maybe have lost a loved one, and we're still recovering, still trying to see where we're going to go from here. Many of us had a job situation change that we might not have been expecting, and we're wondering where we're going to go from here. And just change happens. This stuff is happening. Things are changing. Things are flipping, and we need to know, what do I need to do in this season so that I can experience the faith? favor of God in my life. What do I need to do that I can win? The book of Acts, our passage here, the book of Acts was written by Luke, the physician, and he also wrote the gospel of Luke, and this kind of piggybacks off of that. And Acts is really a series of vignettes or, or small accounts, brief accounts that chronicles the life of the apostles, in particular Peter and Paul, after Jesus had ascended. But what I like about Acts is that it shows the church how to win. It shows the church how to win. We got to realize that in three decades since Jesus left, the church went from a small group of frightened people who weren't sure about their next steps of life to being the most dominant empire-moving movement ever to take place. In just three decades, in just 30 years, they went from a group of people scared in an upper room, not sure what their future looked like, to being an empire-dominating movement that could not be stopped of Christ's followers. In chapter 1, we see that Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit. So we see that he promises, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Then we see in chapter 1 also that he ascends into heaven. Then after his ascension into heaven, the apostles are left, and there was 12 of them at first, but Judas was part of them. But we know that Judas portrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and the Bible says he wasn't repentant, but he was remorseful, so he went out and he hanged himself. He, he committed suicide. So the apostles were like, there needs to be 12 of us, and so we need to replace him with somebody else. And so they cast their lots, and they prayed, and they rep and replaced him with Matthias. And so I'm just parking here for a minute to, to, to build us on chapter 1. We had Judas, who was now gone, and we got to remember that Judas was around Jesus, but he was not with Jesus. Are you hearing me? Judas was around Jesus. He was actually the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. And he was stealing from Jesus. He was stealing from the ministry. And Jesus even knew this. But he was around. He was around for all the miracles. He was around for all the sermons. He was around Bible study, prayer. I mean, he was around, but he was not with Jesus. Are you hearing me? We got to be careful of those who are around us because everybody around us is not yet with us. So we got to be perceptive of that reality because when times got darkest, when the season looked like it was lost, Judas's true love came out, his money. So that's why he sold Jesus out for some money because he was never with Jesus. <laughs> he was around him because he could benefit from the money. But he was not with. You got to check who's around you and discern who's really with you. Because subpoint one here is winning takes buy-in. You can't win if you're not bought in. You can tweet that if you want to, but <laughs> winning takes buy-in. 
Then we switched over to chapter 2. Chapter 2 comes. And you hear it said that the darkest hour is right before the breaking of the day. And this is kind of what you see because the season starts to turn around for the church. The birthing of the church starts to happen. Clarity starts to begin. Uh, and the church was starting to get hot. See, the church was scared at first, but then it starts to get hot. And I want to say sub-point number two is that we have what we need to win in this next season. We have what we need to win in this next season. In chapter two, the Holy Spirit is given. So Jesus promised it in chapter one, but in chapter two, we see the fulfillment of this promise. The Holy Spirit was given by the Father, number one, John 14 and 16. Jesus asked of the Father, and he said the Father, he would give us a comforter, stay with us forever. So the Holy Spirit is for, with us forever. But then we also know that Jesus himself gave the Holy Spirit because Acts 2 and 33 says that he got that. So the reality is Jesus had permission from the Father to usher in or to release the Holy Spirit to come down and be amongst us. So sub-point number three, we got to understand that Jesus keeps his promises. All right? And so if Jesus promised us, you may have to wait a minute for it, but believe me, it's coming. If Jesus makes a promise, he definitely will deliver. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was given, and there was a great sound of, of a mighty wind, and the Bible says it was like tongues of fire which sat upon each of them. And when we know anything about fire, fire does a couple of things. Fire brings heat, right? When you're cold, you can get next to the fire and get some heat. See, it was about to heat up. See, people didn't realize this, but it's about to heat up. Fire does also, another thing. It also brings what? It also brings light. It was about to illuminate some things, illuminate some stuff. So the Holy Spirit was given. Major point number one is this. You're destined to win when the Holy Spirit is leading. You're destined to win when the Holy Spirit is leading. If you're a born-again believer and the Spirit abides in you, the Spirit ought to be speaking to you sometime. Come on in here, church. The Spirit ought to speak to us sometimes. And when we follow the prompting of the Spirit, something, you know something's about to happen. When the Spirit starts to show up and start talking to you, something's about to happen. See, you may not come to prayer meeting, but when the Spirit's prompting you to show up at prayer meeting, you show up at prayer meeting. Even if the people you expect to be there aren't even there. Even if the number of people you would hope would be there aren't there. It doesn't really matter. But when the Spirit's telling you, you need to be at prayer meeting, you need to be at prayer meeting. And when the Spirit's talking, that means something's getting ready to happen. See, when the Spirit starts telling you, listen, you need to read your Bible, open up your Bible and start reading it. You may not know why you're reading it. You may not completely understand why you're reading it, but you just know that the Lord has prompted me to read it. Your spouse may say, Swanee, come watch. This is us with us. You might have to say, not now, sweetie. I'm in my word. What's God talking to you about? I really don't know, but he's just telling me to stay in this word. I'll catch this is us later on DVR, but I've got to stay in this word because the Spirit is prompting me to do something. The Spirit may prompt you to start spending time with somebody. It may be somebody that you would never spend time with. But if he's prompting you to do it, that means something's getting ready to happen. It may be a different person than you, different race than you. It doesn't even matter. If the Spirit is leading you to do something, you can best believe that winning is getting ready to follow. See, Zechariah Four and six, Zechariah was having these, uh, these visions, and, and he goes here, he says this. So he answered to him and said this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. 
He says, not by might, <laughs> nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And he says, who are you, O great mountain? <laughs> See, that's what that song was all about. <laughs> see, see, what God does is he tells you up front, don't even worry about the situation because it's not by might. <laughs> see, there's nothing you're going to do about this situation. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's not by power. It's no power that you've ever experienced before that's going to even compare to what you're about to see. He said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let's just get that out in the open up front. <laughs> See, because when you understand that, then you can say, who are you, great mountain? <laughs> that you would even begin to stand in the way of the Lord. <laughs> you might be looking big today, but you're going to be a plane by tomorrow <laughs> because God's about to get you. You're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. It's not about us. It's not about what we can do. It's not about what we can conjure up. It's about that God's in front of this thing. This movement is not a man movement, but it's a movement of God. The Holy Spirit is doing something powerful and mighty, and I don't care who you are. If you get in the way, you will be just brought down low. We got to understand that the Holy Spirit is the power that we need to succeed. See, we never have to worry about a power shortage <laughs> to do God's will. <laughs> because if it's God's will, it will be done, but not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. That's why in Acts 1 and 8, he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Guess what, sir? If God has called you to be a husband, guess what? You've got the power to be a husband. If God's called you to be a father, guess what? You've got the power to be a father. If God's called you to own a business, guess what? You've got the power to own and run that. If God has called something within his will, you have the power to do it. You've got the power to parent your children, to raise them up to be adults and that are successful in society because God's will is that for your life. And if God wills it, he empowers it. <laughs> yes, you have the power to be married. Yes, you do. <laughs> you have the power to stay married. Yes, you do. <laughs> Who are you, Great Mountain? <laughs> that you even going to get in the way of what God is doing. Somebody shout, I got the power. When the Holy Spirit is leading, you're going to win. <laughs> so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and he sat on them and they began to speak with tongues. And people were perplexed. People were going on. What's, what's going on? What's happening here? These folk, they drunk. <laughs> it's some new wine. Some synthetic weed or something, something, something's going on. Because this right here ain't real. This right here crazy. This, this right here is, is, don't make no sense. But the Bible says Peter begins to explain what is happening. And he says, they're not drunk. See, when the Nationals won, dumb people was drunk. <laughs> let, let, let's be, we know it, it, it's cold and rainy out there, and you standing out there when you can watch on your television? Something got to be wrong with you. <laughs> I saw the same thing they do at my house. 
All the bars, come on now, you know the bars is open, making lots of money because people are a little tipsy down there. But Peter has to clarify, these folk, they drunk. And they don't have, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, this is what he says. It's, <laughs> some of y'all like, it don't really matter. I know, I get it. But it's, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He says, this is what Joel prophesied about. Because they knew the prophet Joel. He said, this is what Joel prophesied about when he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. <laughs> then he goes on to say, this is what David was talking about when he said, he wouldn't let uh, my spirit remain in hell, but you would raise me up. And he says, we, David wasn't talking about himself, but he was talking about Jesus. <laughs> he said, we all love David. He was King David, but we know where David was. He's dead and he's buried right here. You know, we know exactly where his grave is, but this Jesus, who we killed, who we crucified, he is alive. He's not dead, but he has risen. And then in verse 32, he says, and we are all witnesses to this fact. Major point number two, you're destined to win when you understand your assignment. You're destined to win when you understand your assignment. I have a friend in college. Person did all right in college, but they had a major paper. And they said to themselves, you know what, I'm going to stop playing. I'm going to do my best on this thing. So the person went out, did their best on this, this paper. Turned it in, had confidence. Got the paper back. Paper said zero. See me. But it said on there, great thoughts. It said well researched. It said great organization. Wrong assignment. See, we've got to understand that we've been empowered by the Spirit to be a witness to Jesus Christ and who he is. That is the assignment. See, the Holy Spirit illuminates and reveals Christ within us. That is our assignment. He says, Jesus is the true vine in John 15, and I am, and you are the branches. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But as a believer, we're not apart from him. We are actually in him. We are connected to him. That's why we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we got to understand that our assignment is to be a witness of who Jesus is. Our assignment is not necessarily to get a great job. Our assignment isn't only to get a big house. Our assignment is not to have Range Rover and, 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 and Mercedes Benz and BMWs. Hear me out well. I would want for you to have those things. Some of us need to do better on this earth. Let's, 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 let's be honest. Some of us need to get going on this earth. Find some purpose and some skills that we can use to be productive on this earth. I would love to come to your big house and drive in your big car. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we understand our assignment, we get a big fat zero because that's not our assignment. <laughs> Hear me, church of God. You don't need Jesus to get money. Come on 
on, church of God. You don't need Jesus to get straight A's. I'm not being blasphemous. Hear me. You don't. Go to work and you see people who don't give a rat's behind about Jesus and they are paid out the yin-yang. They are boss. They got big houses and big cars. You don't need Jesus for that. But that's not why he pulled us out of darkness and transferred us into his kingdom. It wasn't so just so that we can have a big house and a big car and eat dinner at Ritz Crew Steakhouse and go to any place that we want to go and vacation in France and in the Polynesian Islands. That that's not why he saved us. And so we got to understand what our assignment is. We've got to bear fruit, good fruit, when, when there's bad fruit in the world. See, that's why we're connected to the true vine. We ought to bear good fruit and not bad fruit. We ought to be functional when the world is dysfunctional. We ought to be straight when the world is crooked. We got to have direction when the world is directionless. We got to have hope when the world is hopeless. That's our assignment. See, your attitude is your witness. Your attitude is a witness. Is your attitude just as stank as everybody else, or has Christ, the Holy Spirit, done something in your attitude so that when people engage you, they got good fruit and not sour grapes? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your relationship, guess what? That's your witness. I know that you're booed and you all booed up, but what type of witness are y'all having? Come on, folks. Your marriage is your witness. If your wife is all broke down and beat up, what kind of witness is that? Jesus ain't doing a whole lot for you. <laughs> Jesus can't rest. <laughs> Come on in here. <laughs> if your husband is starving for something, what, what kind of witness? What kind of witness is that? Come on, church. <laughs> this is our assignment. Your ministry is your witness. <laughs> If you never show up to your ministry, what kind of witness is that? It's a witness. Everything we do is a witness for him. It's, it's not about us. <laughs> One of the greatest winning teams that we know is the New England Patriots. I'm tired of New England Patriots. I'm serious. It seems like every year they're in the Super Bowl. Come on now. Every year. Can you get there like every year? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'm like every year. <laughs> they're probably going to be there again this year. But their mantra is very simple. Do your job. That's, that's, the, that, that's their mantra. I don't care who you are, how long you've been here, what position you play, your assignment is to do your job. See, if we're going to win, guess what? We got to do our job, which is to be a witness for Jesus. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, do your job. Tell them like you mean it, do your job. Somebody got to start doing their job. Just do your job. We're dead this to win. Stay with me. I'm going to close this thing out. He gave the Holy Spirit. 
He gave us a mission. And finally, he gave us each other. The Bible says that people heard the mighty works of God in their own tongue. Verse 11, chapter 2 says that. See, you had Jews, Jewish people that spoke different languages because they were separated for different reasons. Then you had some people who converted to Judaism. So the speaking in tongues wasn't just this speaking in tongues where you're speaking an unknown language like we talk about, but actually people were hearing about the great works of God in their own language. That's amazing. See, because it's like Americans speaking Chinese without studying it. But they were hearing about the great works of God. That's why we got to understand and celebrate that we're different. Everybody in here is different, and that's a good thing. Some of us are suit and ties. Some of us are jeans and J's. It don't matter. <laughs> you heard the message for a reason. Rich, you heard it for a reason. Poor, you heard it for a reason. Head full of hair, you heard it for a reason. Ball-headed, you heard it for a reason. Skinny, you heard it for a reason. A little bit more not skinny, you heard it for a reason. Educated, you heard it for a reason. Never went to school, you heard it for a reason. See, people are going to hear the gospel through different vessels. See, everybody's not going to be like me. Everybody's not going to be like, I celebrate the fact that you're different than me. I love to see people that are different than me that still know the gospel. You don't got to have a suit on to know the gospel. Come on in here. You, you can know the gospel with jeans and J's on and still preach the gospel and say people can come to Jesus Christ. You don't got to be like me. You don't got to act like me. You don't got to think you're a deacon and have a title of the deacon ministry. and all. You don't have to do all that to know who Jesus is. That's why he poured his spirit out all flesh, all kinds of people, old people, young people, intelligent people, not so intelligent. It don't matter. If you understand the message of Jesus, that's why he called you. I wish you understood what God was saying to us. We got to celebrate each other. You're here, I'm here for all the same purpose that we heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heard the exact same message. The Bible said 3,000 people were cut to their heart and received the message and, and repented. Same message, but they had a conviction. Final major point, you're destined to win when convicted believers come together. You're destined to win when convicted believers come together. Being called to Christ means being called closer to each other. If you went alone, you didn't win. If you went alone, you ain't win. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Genesis 2.18, God said it's not good for man to be alone. See, we got to understand that when you're in relationship with people, it's not about trying to win them in an argument. You hear what I'm saying? You're not trying to win an argument with your spouse. 
Because if you win and she loses, you've lost. You may win an argument, but you lost your marriage. A lot of us don't realize that. You, you won the argument. <laughs> you shut it up. That's right, uh-huh, but you've lost your marriage. You ain't win, you lost. It's not about trying to win over people like that, but we've got to understand that we've got to win together because you can't win by yourself. We need people not only to help with work, but you got to have encouragement as you're going through this journey. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You need encouragement as you're going through this journey. You need help, people to help you to endure as you're going through. Winning's not easy. It's a grind. How many realize that? Sometimes to win it out, it's a grind. You got to go day by day. It's a grind, but you need folk around you that God has placed there, not just flim-flam folk, but folk with a conviction about who Jesus is and what he's done. Come on in here. I need a church that's convicted about who Jesus is. It's not a maybe or perhaps he is or, or he's one of many ways. No, no, no. I need some folk in here that know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by him. I need somebody that knows that he can do all things and do all things well. I need somebody that knows that he, there's nothing too hard for God. I need somebody that knows that Christ got up out the grave with all power in his hands and that he can move mountains, he can move situations, that he can cure issues, he can help me to grow. He can help me to prosper. He can make a way out of no way. He can bring... I need a church that understands. I'm not trying to be around this any old kind of folk. So you got to understand, this is the church of Jesus. I need people with a conviction about it. So that when the going gets tough, you don't go running off because the going gets tough. See, people with a conviction understand that I'm going to stick this thing through because I got a conviction about who Jesus is. Because difficulties test our true conviction. <laughs> Judas wasn't convicted. That's why he took the money and ran. 500 bucks is all he got, but that's all he thought Jesus was worth. But to him, that was everything at the time. See, but when the going gets tough, when the darkest gets darker, you need to know who's going to be there and who's not. <laughs> Come on in here. That's why you got to go through. When you get sick, you'll find out how strong your marriage really is. Huh? When somebody lose their job, right, and it's hard to pay that mortgage every month, you're going to find out. <laughs> when the baby was born with something that you might not have been expecting, right, you're going to find out what this love thing's really about. <laughs> but you got to have somebody with a conviction about this. Till di in sickness and in health. See, we got to have a church that even they come in here with guns saying, you better denounce Jesus. Ain't nobody denouncing. If we die, we just die. Because I'm convinced I'm going to be with him. Whether it's today or 10 years from now, I'm, my place is secure in him. If you got to shoot me, shoot me. No, I don't want to die, but if I got to go, I got to go. I ain't. It's a people. And this is what I like, and I'm closing. He said, the nationals believed in one another. <laughs> they believed in each other, and they blocked out all the noise. <laughs> you got to learn how to block out the noise. You know what I'm saying? When you go into win, you got to block out all the chatter, all the media stuff, all the critics that got something to say. They don't know nothing, but they just speculating because that's how they got to make their own living. It's got to have something to say. 
But the, the Nationals knew that they were still on a mission. <laughs> Even at 19 and 31, everybody left them for dead. They still thought, we're going to win this World Series. <laughs> they still believed in each other. They still believed that it was possible. And they not only believed in each other, but they were enjoying each other. You've got to enjoy those that are on the journey. <laughs> and, and I like it because you had uh, one of the players, Para, he had a little, he was struggling hitting the ball. So he, he decided he was going to have a new walk-up song that his daughter loved the little baby shark song. So the baby shark became his new walk-up song. And everybody got a hold of that thing. And so when you get a single, you get the little baby shark. Boop, ba doop, 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 the little baby shark. When you get a double, you put your hands together like this and get the little baby shark. When you get a triple, then you put your, <laughs> your hands like this. But if you hit a home run, you get back into the dugout and you got to do your little dance. And so everybody had a dance. The, the introverts had a dance. The extroverts had a dance. People who never talked had a dance. Everybody had a dance because everybody was enjoying each other and enjoying the journey of what it takes to win. That's what happened in the book of Acts. You look at verse 46. The Bible says that they, they had bread daily with each other and they had gladness of heart. People who are winning have joy in their life. We need to talk about that joy thing again. See, just because you're going through doesn't mean that you still can't have your joy. See, because you realize I'm not losing. I'm on my way to winning. I'm destined to win. The Bible says that they took their daily portion and they ate with joy. Stop looking at the big mountain. Just look at one day at a time. See, the Nationals just wanted to win one day at a time. Or you got to wake up and say, I'm going to win today. I'm not worried about what's happening next year. I'm talking about today. This day, I'm going to win today. This day, God's will will be done in my life today. This day, God will meet my needs. That's why he said, give us this day our daily bread. You're talking about what's happening two years from now. I ain't worried about two years from now. I'm talking about today. If, you, if you're smart, you'll get out of my way today. Because God willing, tomorrow will be another day. And guess what? I'm going to get up tomorrow and win that day. It's one day at a time that they won. Then he's destined to win. He's like, listen, not only would they, they have joy, but the Bible says they were praising God. Anybody know anything about praise? The Bible says they were lifting up the name of Jesus. Watch. When the Holy Spirit came, the Bible said he came in with a sound of a rushing wind. There's something about a sound that precludes victory. When victory's about to happen, there's a sound. In the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat, they were, had their backs up against the wall. But he sent the people out in praise. Why? Because he knew it wasn't his battle. He knew it wasn't his war. He knew that God was in front of him. And so he said, go ahead and praise God now, even though you don't. Even though the war hadn't even started. <laughs> because when you're destined to win, you know you're going to win no matter what the situation looks like right now. That's why the song says, don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout right now. Somebody know what I'm talking about. You might be going through, but I can shout right now. I might be struggling, but I can shout right now. I'm praising God for what he's about to do because I know that victory is already... Seeing if you were smart, your neighbor would help you praise him. You see, that's why we in this together. Sometimes you got to help your brother. You got to help your sister. I'm praising God for you. I'm dancing for you. I'm blessing God because we about to witness thing. Then you got thousands of people everywhere in the balcony. 
on the drums, on the organ. The praise starts to come because we are on our way. Somebody's family put back together. You got to praise him. Somebody's finances turning around. You got to praise. Somebody's depression being lifted right now in the midst of the praise. You still on medicine, but your deliverance is on its way. We're winners. We don't come from a losing tradition. We win in the church of God. I'm destined to win. We got to go. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you're destined to win, you know the Holy Spirit's in front of you. Ain't no mountain going to stop you. <laughs> Ain't nothing getting in your way. <laughs> no situation, no obstacle. Situations and obstacles don't control the believer. The heart of the believer controls the believer. And when Jesus is working in your heart, I don't care what situation, what obstacle, what mountain, what gulf, what valley, I don't care what it is. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, I, I don't like cheating, but some of y'all might need to cheat a little bit. Just read the book of Revelations. Guess what? You win. You worried about something that's already done. He already finished it. Seated with him heavenly places, coming back to reign with him, to rule with him forever and ever, because his kingdom goes on. Somebody in this place is destined to win. Attitudes change. Mindsets change. Dispositions change. Your walk is changed. You ought to walk like you're a child of the Most High God. Walk like you got somewhere to go. Walk like you got something to do. Walk like... I'm talking about a church that knows. We win! Winners, 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 winners. Somebody's got to change their disposition right now. The devil is a liar. You're not going to die in this situation. You're not going to perish in this situation. God will bring you through. 
trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead out into your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Winners. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Church got to have some swag. When the Holy Spirit comes, there's nothing to be afraid of. You know we're going to win. He showed up. We got to win. Somebody just needs to hear this, that you're destined to win. Put them pills down. Put that gun down. You're destined to win. There's hope in Jesus Christ. You don't got to end it. You don't have to try to shortchange it. You're just going through, and he's right there with you. Right there with you. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Money's important on earth, but it ain't God. Just because you're lacking money don't mean your life's going to end because you don't have the resources. Money is not God. You can't serve God and the money. Just serve God and trust him with the money. Just do your job and watch God do what he does. I'm going to pray real quick and then I want to give the invitation. But I just know our disposition needs to change. We're believers with purpose and destiny. And we will win because that's our destiny. There's nothing short of that. Father, I bless you and I praise you for the life of your people. Right now, in Jesus' name, God, you destined us to win. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct. We thank you that all power belongs to you. God, we thank you that you didn't leave us without direction. You gave us a mission to be a witness for you. And God, I thank you that you gave us each other, the beloved in your name. God, to walk with each other, to encourage each other, to know that we're going to win, to celebrate with each other. And I thank you that we will be that to each other as you've ordained right now in Jesus' name. We counsel out all the negativity, all the white noise in the background, all the naysayers of God, all the media predictions and all the stats that everybody wants to throw at us. God, but we know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that will rise up against us, we shall condemn. And I thank you for victory in the life of my brothers and sisters, oh God. In every situation, the outcome is we win. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God praise. Give him honor. Very quickly, while everybody's praying, still enjoying the spirit, is there somebody here that does not know the Lord Jesus? While we're praying, is there somebody here that does not know Jesus? 
You say, Pastor, I hear you. Amen. Somebody's coming who want to celebrate them. Pastor, I hear you. I hear you talking about Jesus, but I've never confessed him, and I want to do that today. Hear me. This isn't about big eyes and little U's. Nobody here is great in their own strength, but we're only somebody because of what Jesus has done. Is there somebody that wants to give their life to Jesus? Say, I'm tired of what I've been doing. I've tried it all. I'm tired of trying other stuff. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus. Is there somebody that wants to give their life for the first time? Somebody wants to get saved. Somebody wants to accept Christ as Lord of their life. Is there one? Is there somebody else that wants to come? Is there somebody that wants to join this church, join this local fellowship? You hear God saying to you, this is the place you belong. You hear him saying, you hear the Spirit directing you saying, here, this is it. This is the place. This is where I want you to work out your soul salvation. Is there somebody that wants to come? Two calls. Somebody that wants to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Somebody that wants to make this their church home. Is there one? Is there another? Is there another? I know most faces, but I don't want to overlook. Is there somebody that wants Jesus and needs him today and say, I want Jesus. Don't be ashamed. We're not here to embarrass you. We just want to love on you with the same grace that we receive from Jesus. Is there somebody that wants Jesus today? We good? Is there one? Don't let this moment pass you by. Tomorrow's not promised. Not trying to scare you, just telling you the truth. Is there somebody who needs Jesus today? Amen. Give God praise.